Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to January 14th of 2024 at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. on the Eastern Standard Time. And of course, we played that phenomenal Quiet Place by Pastor Troy. And so we're really almost at um, 9.40 a.m. And so I also have the awesome privilege of the duo, um, which is myself, uh, with Minister Sylvia on this morning. And we're going to ask her to pray with us and for us and thank God uh, for the awesome, awesome, awesome prayer that he's going to pray through her um, for us. Uh, Minister Sylvia, are you ready to pray? Amen, amen. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you. To come before you with thanksgiving in our hearts and thanksgiving to come out of our mouths. We come to you giving you praise, to giving you honor, giving you glory, giving you everything that we have to come before you just to say, Father, you didn't have to do it, but you did. Father, you didn't have to do it, but you did. Father God, I thank you for keeping me in your heart and on your mind another day, providing me with the breath of life, providing me with an opportunity to just tell someone about you, Provide me with the ability to use my limbs, to hear your word, your word, to come before your presence and just gaze at your glory. Come before your presence and just look to you for every answer. Come before your holy presence, God, knowing that you are Lord. God, I thank you for the opportunity because some didn't wake up this morning. Some are not in their right mind. Some don't even have the ability to acknowledge you as who you are. But, God, we want to say we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. God, we thank you for having the opportunity to come before you to say, Lord, I lay before you. I stand before you. I kneel before you with an open heart, words in my mouth to say, Lord, forgive me of every sin, oh God. Every sin I've done willingly, unwillingly. Every sin that I have done that I have not given you or your kingdom the glory or the honor. Every sin that I have done, whether it's been a secret sin or a sin that I'm not even aware of, or just anything that I have said because your word said, no sin will enter in. God, we just ask you to come into our life to teach us how to forgive ourselves and lay before you, knowing that every word we ask, every prayer we pray, that you shall answer it. We thank you for the opportunity to just do that. God, we thank you for the opportunity to pray for others, knowing that it's our faith and our belief, it shall be done. Whatever it is that we pray for, God, with clean hands and a clean heart, 
We know that once we present our prayers to you, oh God, you will answer it. God, we just want to ask you to heal every sick person, every sick minister, every sick man and woman of God that's called to your glory, God, called to your purpose, called to your way of life. God, we just ask you to heal their minds, their bodies, their soul. Heal their financial, God. Go into their homes, oh, Lord, and do what you need to do in their homes, God, to make it line up with your word, oh, God. Let us get out of your way that you can have your way. Because once we learn how to decrease, we give you the power and the space to increase. God, have your way on today. Have your way on today, oh, God, in our lives and our ministries as we drive, as we walk, as we go through, as we participate in your world and your word and your way. God, let us decrease that you may increase. Have your way on today, oh God. We ask you to let us hold up clean hands before you. Give us a pure heart, God. Your word so we can only worship you, God. Only worship you, God, in spirit and truth. There's no other. We want to, we desire to, but we look forward to worshiping, living for, and living for with. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, God. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We look forward to rejoicing in him with you, O oh God. God, we just ask you to cover our ministry. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us on today. Sanctify our ears, O oh God. Open them up. Let conviction and correction fall where it needs. Let us surrender our will and our way to you, that you will have your way. Deliverance, deliverance, fall on me first, God, as well as the people. For you are our Lord our Savior and our joy. We thank you, God, for the ability to just come before you and ask. We ask you, God, to have your way in our hearts and our life for today. Amen, Jesus. Amen, Lord. We love you with the whole heart. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God, I thank you for the prayer. Uh, that Minister Sylvia prayed on this morning. I thank you for this day. I thank you for every day. I thank you for your traveling mercy. Um, And I just want to say this because I felt led to say this. God, have our listeners know that our program is scheduled for two hours. But we usually try not to go over the hour. But God, that as we minister and as we share what you've given us, God, in this year of 2024, the year of Gabo, that we and they would take you off of the time clock and not try to hold you 
to the things that I've heard so many people say in the church building and different places. God, they say you can say whatever you need to say in 10 or 20 or 30 minutes. And if the man or woman of God goes longer than that, they leave. But God, when it comes to you blessing them, they got all the time you need. So God, I pray today and for the rest of our lives, we'll stop putting you in a 30-minute, 20-minute, 45-minute hour, two-hour box in the same way we partied all night. That we'll party all morning listening to your word, God. That's what I ask of you today. All right, let's get into the word. Jesus was both God and man. So let's talk about some of the things that Jesus did as both God and man. But mostly it's going to be about what he did in the representation of being a human. We know that we were created in God's and Jesus' very image, according to the Bible. You know, we were uh, included in that part of the scripture that says us and our. And just in case you're trying to figure out what scripture she talked about, let's read Genesis, the first chapter the 26th verse, Amplified Version. Then God said, let us, let us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, make man in our, that our is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit image. And according to our Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit likeness, not physical, but a spiritual personality and moral likeness, and let them have complete dominion. And some, it says, let them have complete authority. The various versions use authority and dominion interchangeably. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle. Over the entire earth. And over everything that creeps and crawls on the earth. So here are the few things that Jesus did for us. He agreed to be our ransom for sin. First Timothy, second chapter, verses 6 through 7. But if you're reading the message version, it's verses 4 through 7. And it reads as such, he wants not only us, but everyone saved, you know, everyone to get a, to know the truth we've learned and that there's one God, only one, the one priest mediator between God and us, Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. Eventually, the news is going to get out. This and this only has been my appointed work 
getting this news to those who have never heard of God and explaining how it works by simple faith and plain truth. And another thing he did was Jesus wept. He wept for Lazarus in John 11, verses 34 through 35, Amplified Version. And it said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. In his humanity, he wept. But as God, he was a propitiation for each one of our sins. So we talked about him being our substitute and our ransom, and we also talked about him weeping. Now let's talk about the struggles that he completed in order for his destiny to be fulfilled. Jesus antagonized and he sweat thick as blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he asked the Father, God, to remove the cup from him. But when he came to himself, in Luke 24 and 44, the message version, Verses 41 through 44 says, he pulled away from them about a stone throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? At once, an angel from heaven was at his side and strengthened him. He prayed all the harder. Sweat wrung from him like drops of blood poured off his face. So even he asked, even though he knew when he came that he was coming to die for us, he asked God, his father, can you take this from me? Because he knew it would be an antagonizing sort of death and preliminary things that would happen to him on his way to the cross. And then it says that he asked God why he had forsaken him, Psalms 22 and 1. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, don't we feel like that sometimes? That the things that we're going through and dealing with, that God is far away? Well, in the Psalms, they say this may have been the very prayer that Jesus had prayed when he was on the cross. Because it begins with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends with a thought of finality. But see, Mark 27 and 46, I mean, Matthew 27 and 46, and Mark 15 and 34 alluded to Matthew 27, verses 35, 39, and 43, and John 19, verses 23, 24, and 28 as being the fulfilled 
destiny and fulfillment of Christ on the cross. Let's just read um, one of those versions, and let's read Matthew 27, verses 35 through 36. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among them by casting lots. Then sitting down there, they began to keep watch over him to guard against any rescue attempt. And above his head, they put the accusation against him which said, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that same time, two robbers were crucified with Jesus, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were hurling abuse at him and jeering at him, wagging their hands in scorn and ridicule. And they said tauntingly, You would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself from death. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. And in that same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, mocked him, saying, He saved others from death, and he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross. And we will believe in him and acknowledge him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he delights in him, for he said, I am the son of God, the robbers who have crucified him, that have been crucified with him, also began to insult him in the same way. Wow. For from the sixth hour of noon, there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud, agonized voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And that is, my God, my God, have you forsaken me? Wow, how many times have we dealt with things in life and we felt like we were being forsaken? Well, Jesus also corrected people in the synagogue and he showed emotion of displeasure when he turned over the tables. Matthew 21, verses 12 through 14, the message version says, Jesus went straight into the temple and threw out everyone who had set up shop and buying and selling. He kicked over the tables of loan sharks and the stalls of dove merchants. He quoted this text, my house was designated as a house of prayer. You have made it a hangout for these. Now there was room for the blind and the crippled to get in. And they came to Jesus, and he healed them. Why? So even he went into the temple and showed emotion when the people were in the temple doing things that the temple wasn't set up to do, which was to be a house of prayer, and he kicked them out. Jesus also corrected 
people when, uh, whenever someone tried to pervert the word or use the word for their own justification. Remember when the devil, when he tried to pervert the very word of God in Matthew, the fourth chapter, the first through the eleventh verse? Remember when the devil came to him in the wilderness and he he was without food for 40 days and 40 nights and he became hungry and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command those stones to become bread. But Jesus replied, it is written and forever remains written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle, the highest point in the temple, and he said mockingly to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to serve, care for you, protect, and watch over you, and they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written and forever remains written, you shall not test the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and the glory, splendor, magnificence, and excellence of them. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written forever remains written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And the angels came and ministered to him, bringing him food and serving him. See, he even had to correct the very devil that uses people in the synagogue and outside of the synagogue. So, let's share another witness, another man of God. Happy birthday, Dr. Martin Luther King. He faced many obstacles while he was on his mission for equality. He was arrested over 20 times for protesting. He was the object of several violent attacks, both to his person and his property. He received threatening phone calls. His home was bombed, set afire. He was even stabbed. Dr. King admitted that before enduring his selfless missions of seeking equality for the people in America, as he walked out his call for God, as he achieved some of his dreams, he had to ask God to help him overcome his greatest weakness. See, it was deemed by society if you were born a black man, that was a weakness. He was born in 1929 when people of color had no rights, hardly any. It was deemed that because he died at age 39 in 1968, that that itself was a weakness. 
He was born in the South, Atlanta, Georgia. That was deemed a weakness. Dr. King stated that at one point in his life, where well, it appeared that his life was too challenging to face alone, he sought the help from God. King stated that the Lord promised to never leave him alone. And at that moment, he experienced his fears that his uncertainty disappeared and he was ready to face anything. Dr. King turned his weaknesses into strengths. Dr. King highlighted how the things that he would do was because of the greatness in God. See, Dr. Martin Luther King fought for the rights of the minority groups around America because of discrimination, racial discrimination, segregation from the whites. Dr. King valued justice, equality, liberty, regardless of your stature or your race. Dr. King believed that every Christian, black or white, was equal. Remember, because during the time of Dr. King's era, remember even a 14-year-old teenager by the name of Emma Till in 1955 was brutally beaten and murdered, and yet his accusers and his lying accuser and his murderers were never punished or held accountable. But just to show you, there were others. George W. Lee was assassinated, the civil rights leader in 1955 in Midnight, Mississippi. Medgar Ever in 1963 in Jackson, Mississippi by Byron D. La Beckwith. He was killed by him. James Cheney in 1964 was killed in Mississippi by the KKK. Malcolm X in 1965 in New York City was killed by the members of the Nation of Islam. Fred Hampton in 1969 in Chicago was murdered by the members of the Chicago Police Department. Hallenberg in 1984 in Denver, Colorado, was murdered by the Silent Brotherhood. John Simmons in 1994 in Los Angeles was assassinated, and they say they don't know by who. And there are many, 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 many others that we could talk about. But see, Dr. King, he knew and yet stayed focused on what his God-given goals were. He understood what he needed to do and how he needed to achieve them because he knew that it had to be done in nonviolence. But see, they wanted a reason to kill the people of color anyway. But he knew that he had to use the eternal remedy that God had given him, and that was Jesus. He knew he had to turn his weaknesses into his greatest strengths, which was his God-given strength and courage. See, he graduated from college when he was 19 years old. That's right. He graduated from Morehouse College 
Boston University at age 19. He was an outstanding speaker. He could draw people to him because of his flair and his drive. He understood that his movement, in order for it to be successful, had to remain nonviolent. He understood that struggling for the rights of black citizens was guaranteed because of the nonviolent focus. Dr. King was determined. He was tireless. He was focused on his God-given dream and effort to seek justice for all American people. Dr. King believed that his fear, which was his uh, was something that many people had. But see, fear, according to Dr. King, was the major cause of wars, race wars, social wars, other wars. That's why he prescribed love. Because he said only love understands and organize goodwill and cast out fear. Additionally, the Bible in 1 John 4 and 18 declares, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love. They have grown into a sufficient see that it's not there yet. So when you fear the judgment of God, it's because your love hasn't been perfected. And once your love has been perfected, you'll know that God's love is sufficient to you understanding why you're to serve God. See, Dr. King said that he had got to a point that he could no longer take it. He was weak, so he sought God because God could relate to his struggles because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, had already endured his mission of the cross. He had already bore the sins and the fears of mankind. He had already put his trust in God's eternal plan and remedy through Jesus Christ. He had already remembered that he accepted God's salvation plan. He had already exchanged that false evidence that appeared real for his father's eternal annihilation remedy for fear and sin. See, the remedy that Jesus had was he trusted God. He trusted plan. He trusted God's track record. He trusted that everything that was documented in the Bible that God had done in his life and for the lives of the people was because he allowed the Father's eternal annihilation plan of the remedy of Jesus Christ and in the remedy of Jesus Christ that it was for all. So Jesus was our first example of our Father's eternal annihilation remedy. 
Dr. King was another example. And now I want to share with you a few of my own personal testimonies and struggles and fears. And many of them will be things that I personally have went through myself. Some will be things that I went through with others. Some will be things that I counseled others through. Some will be a part of the fears that God has delivered me from and is yet delivering me from. The others have been used by God to overcome civil rights, labor rights, our God-given rights that others have tried to deny us. We're supposed to have those civil rights. We're supposed to be able to fulfill those God-given rights and purposes and destinies. But see, some people use bullying and witchcraft and wizardry to try to pressure us. Some of them gave us so much pressure that even when I was in the military and working as a civilian, I felt bad about taking time off. It was an unwritten rule that I was on call 24-7, even when I was on vacation, even when I got off work. They had an unrealistic expectation that I would work and do things, and I did, even when I was off. And they didn't want to pay me, and they didn't pay me. I felt guilty because of this witchcraft and bullying. When my parents died four months apart, I felt guilty. So I didn't want to take time off to grieve and to heal because they made me feel bad about my parents dying. It was like she's lying. Her parents didn't die four months apart, but they did. They made me feel guilty about needing to study and even being sick if I need to study for my master's degree my bachelor's degree, my doctoral journey, they made me feel guilty. The bullying, the witches, the wizards. Then there was the fear of economic struggles where I worked too much. I worked several jobs at one time. I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. I had pressures from even within the church, outside of the church, to give, to give even when I didn't have it, to give not just because they need it, because they wanted something, not because they needed to pay their electricity or something like that, because sometimes they did. But many times they needed to pay their electricity because they were 
misusing their money for their grown children or trying to buy this or trying to do that. They were misusing and not budgeting their own money. But then I was pressured into sewing for them. And out of the fear of the economic sanctions that they were going through, I would bless them with my money that now I had to work several jobs to replace. They would say, so into God's word. How was the money that God had given me to pay my bills that they were using for whatever, a blessing to them? How can I sow money into God's word? That's a whole nother message. Some of the teaching that we do, telling people they'll get houses and cars and um, husbands and wives, that's not God. But if you sow into it, that's what they'll tell you. God's going to do this for you. God's going to do that for you. And sometimes God will bless you. Even in your ignorance, he'll bless you because he knew that you had a heart to want to please him. So that takes me to the next fear. I had a fear of pressures, people pleasing, social pressures, where I would go to work at 4 or 5 in the morning and I wouldn't even get off till the next day at 1 or 2 in the morning. And I would be in bad neighborhoods in the wee hours of the morning going to my car just to please that pastor or that bishop or that leader or that boss. I stayed in relationships and got into relationships that I didn't want to be in for pressure. I worked for people because they needed me, not because it was a mutual thing, but because of what they needed. I'm talking about people pleasing and social pressure. I almost got married several times because of the pressure and the guilt. I gave not just of my finances to people, but of my time and and talent for these various ungodly pressures in the church and outside of the church. I've had the pressures on my job. If I was compensated for all of the hours that I worked and the things that I did that were uncompensated, I would be a billionaire, if not a millionaire. I stayed at churches even after God told me to leave there because I was people pleasing. That that bishop, that pastor told me, no, God ain't tell you to leave. Oh, my God. I stayed to please people for several reasons, whether it was fear or doubt or leadership or people imposed oppression, suppression, racism, sexism, and more. I was blocked out of prayer meetings, intercessor meetings, by so-called security teams. 
I was blocked out of promotions and different meetings and groups just because of social pressures, someone walking in jealousy because they allowed the devil to use them because the devil could see things that I couldn't see or didn't want to see or it was so much going on and so much static that I couldn't see it or hear it. And then what about the fear of people connecting the lies, the lies of the domestic violence that I've seen, the cover-ups of the rapes and the molestation and the fornications and the violations, the adultery, natural, physical, and spiritual. You know, I'm going to be honest. I cheated on God over and over and over and over again. And I made up excuses why I was cheating on him. But you know what? He still forgave me over and over and over again. But yet, I would still cheat on God again and again, and again. But once I finally repented for real, for real, for real, God turned all of that sin and that wickedness into zeal for hearing his word. God said, no, I'm going to take you from the background and put you in the front. And that in itself was something I didn't want to do. Because, see, I had been sleeping around and whoring around. I had failures. I had misused people, abused people, and neglected people. But I yet had been misused and abused and neglected. I did it to myself. I allowed others to do it. But I had to learn that although I had these bankruptcies in my finances and bankruptcies in my very wound, these bankruptcies in my relationships, these promises and deceptions that I endured before the military, during the military, after the military, the people that had made me promises that didn't keep them, the people that looked at me and said, no, can't no good thing come off of the west side of Chicago. No, can't no good thing, no uneducated woman from the inner city of the west side, no single parent. No, she can't do this. She can't do that. We have to put this white person over her or that person because, you know, she's uneducated, not knowing that I had my bachelor's degree. My master's degree was working on my doctoral degree. I had to learn that the lies that people had told and that I had allowed them to inflict on me was because they thought that I was inappropriately or improperly trained. But I was good enough to give them all of my gifts and talents so that they could be promoted. See, this trespassing spirit, this lying, inappropriate spirit, this abusive, suppressive spirit was a weakness that I had allowed 
this timid spirit that I had allowed that said, can't we all just get along? This spirit that allowed the past pains and hurts to influence and to cover up, to make up lies about family secrets and things that had happened to me was a weakness because I hadn't allowed God's remedy called Jesus to come in. See, some of my fears were unknown, but some were known. Some were unseen, but some were seen, like my comfort zone that I liked. See, I liked being in the background. I liked serving and following people wherever, however, whenever, over here, over there. I liked doing praise and worship in the background. I didn't like having to come forward, and now it was time to be out front. I had to overcome even the academic struggles of people telling me, oh, I couldn't do this or that because I was from the inner city. See, I had to uh, become a nurse and, and a back to, back to a BA degree holder and a master's degree holder and a, a PhD holder and a, a person that went in the military. To see, I was told I couldn't even do that. I went to the combat zone alone, 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 alone. People don't understand that my hugest and largest fear was that I had to go here and there alone, alone without my mother, alone without my father, alone without my biggest protector, my sister, alone without my friends. I had had a child out of wedlock, but I was alone. I was alone. I was alone. I was dealing with being alone, and and, and, and the church reminded me of me being a single parent. And, and see, I was... Uh, uh, dealing with all of the self-righteous people in the church, outside the church, on the job, alone, alone, alone. But there was nobody there. Even when I was doing this broadcast over 20 years ago, I mean, I've been on, on live streaming for years, even before Facebook came out. I was on uh, MySpace even before uh, people were doing I was on a Black Preacher even before people started doing FaceTime and Zoom and all of that, and yet people, oh, one of these days you're going to, oh, please, I taught you. I taught my leaders. I taught others how to do this. Did you forget? I was doing this with Elder uh, uh, Tony back in 2000, where it was her and I doing live and stream. I was driving uh, to Virginia University to be on the radio and to be on live streaming, even before it became popular, we were uh, doing things that they're finally doing on FaceTime. I was talked about and almost uh, put out of my leadership position because my leader had to go to another apostle who had to tell her, no, she's using the cutting edge where God has taken us to back in 2000. And so she finally accepted the tool that God had given. This was when you could do radio and live streaming at the same time. But now, see, it's two separate tools, and, and blog talk and Facebook is treated like it's, you know, two separate things. Well, back when I was doing it, it was one tool. It was one thing that you could do, and you could reach the world. But, see, people got smart and they saw, oh, I can make money by treating those as two separate things. I won't let them do 
what uh, Mr. Love was doing, and I thank God for him. He's gone on. And Apostle Sandra Thomas would come down, and we would go into the uh, radio place, and we would do live streaming and all of that at the same time. Like I said, in 2000, we're here in 24, 24 years later, and no, 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 no. If God wants me to go to that, I will. But let me share something with you that God hasn't allowed me to share until today. I've asked God for television. I didn't ask him for live streaming. Been there, done that. I didn't ask him for live radio. Been there, done that. I asked God for television. So if God wants me to go back to live streaming, Things like FaceTime, things like Zoom, WebEx, I'll do it. But I've asked God for television. Satellite television. And I know that God can do it. Because he was the same God that Apostle Graham talked to my leader about back in 2000, 2005, when I was training her on how to use it, and then she just blew up in it, her and Dr. Serena Wright and so many others that I trained on how to use these tools for my mind. It's amazing how people don't know and they forget where God has brought you from. So as we're airing here on Blog Talk, let me tell you this. I've asked God for 58 more years of nothing but his will. He didn't allow me to share the vision of television that I had been asking him for until this year. And plus he had to help me overcome the fact that it would make me angry every time he would give me something then somebody else would jump on it. But he reminded me, how does my word advance and spread if what I give you, you don't share with the world? So those of you on Blog Talk and on Facebook that are doing various things, God's going to catapult you to that next level, to that end-time ministry whether it's television, whether it's radio, whether it's Zoom meetings, whether it's WebEx, whether it's satellite, but whatever it is, God's going to catapult you to this place that no longer says that fear means false evidence appearing real. But he's going to put you in a place that in this stage of life and in this time of your life, Fear means father's eternal annihilation remedy, which is God teaching you that just like Jesus overcame the struggles and the fears of life and fulfilled his destiny, and just like Dr. Martin Luther King focused on God and fulfilled his destiny, that you too will be able to fulfill your destiny. So put on the whole armor of God. 
And know that in the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent took it by force. Know that God has already declared, and you will declare that he is your rock, he is your strength, and he's giving you hands to war and fingers to fight. Don't worry about the self-righteous people. Don't worry about those that would uh, cause you to have your Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. Don't worry about those that would throw you into the lion's den. Because just like God opened up the womb of Sarah and Hannah and allowed them to birth our nation, and just like God dealt with Jonah, who was hidden in a creature because he didn't want to obey God. He wanted to do things his way. Don't fear it. For God created you in his very likeness and image. And you're going to do just what God said through the blood of Jesus because you are in the image of Christ. And God has given you all authority and dominion over the fears in your life over the cares in your life. Know this, that the fear of false evidence appearing real is not your testimony because the things that God is having you overcome is not a fear of evidence. It's a fact. And because those facts are what they are, God is causing you to declare and decree that he has given you the annihilation plan to obliterate your fears. Because it doesn't matter. Many have went through a bruise. They've been lynched. They've been falsely enslaved because of their color, and others have gone unpunished. And yet today we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday on tomorrow because he overcame his fears and his obstacles and was one of our greatest civil rights leaders because he kept his eyes, his focus, his mind, his heart on God. So don't let your fears stop you. Let them catapult you. Let them drive you. Let them be in the driving force. It causes you to say, God, in the name of Jesus, I accept him as my Lord and my Savior, my King of kings, for he is my answer to annihilating every fear, every obstacle, because I am a child of God. That's all I have, Minister Sylvia. I turn it over to you. Minister Sylvia, are you still there? Hello, Minister Sylvia. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Just trying to get it off of mute. Thank God. Yeah, I know we've been having some technical difficulties today. Thank God for the word on today. To not be fearful, not to live, walk, or act in fear. We thank God for the desires that we put up before him, the request that it shall come to pass. We thank God for the opportunity to just say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the vision 
that you have given for this ministry that's 20-plus years. God, we just thank you for just being the father that you are. God, I just want to say thank you. And if there's anyone else on Blog Talk that would like to speak at this time, please go ahead. The lines are open. Okay, we thank you for sitting in, driving through, driving places, just visiting Smile through ER and Sharpening Iron Ministries. We thank you all for taking out the time listening to the broadcast live. And for those that's going to be listening to it in the archives, we want to say thank you. And please share the word with someone. We want to also remind you that we're here every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with our very own apostles like Dr. Cecilia Kaiser to listen to what God has put in to her to share with us. And how many of you all know that today was a good word? It was a good word. It was a word to give you foundation and instructions with your walk with Christ. We want to say thank you, Apostle, for sharing with us for today. If you come back tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you will get to hear me, Minister Sylvia Kaiser, who studied in covering for Minister Margo McCord, minister to what God has put into my heart to share with you all. Please tune in, tell family and friends about it, and we will talk on tomorrow night, Monday, January the 15th, 2024, of the day of the celebration for Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. We want to let you know we will be on um, Facebook for the uh, podcast on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please tune in on Wednesday. Or if you come back on Friday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you will get to hear me, Minister Sylvia Kaiser, minister again for our Friday night service. So please tell your family and friends about it. Share all the ministry days, times, and just take notes of what God has to say. Remember our foundational scriptures, Matthew 6 to 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want to say uh, also that this is a chance for you all to just get on your knees and repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn to the Lord and just say, God, it's me. It's me, it's me, oh Lord, that needs to be saved, needs to be delivered, needs to learn how to listen and apply your word to our life. I just want to say again, Smile 3ER, Sharpening Iron, Blog Talk Ministries has presented today's lesson to you by our very own apostle, like Dr. Sylvia Kaiser, about fear and accepting what God allows. 
Amen. Send you uh, back of your head, possibly like for your closing remarks. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Minister Sylvia. Um, God has just brought back a vision to me of something that um, used to happen. Um, when we would go down to minister with Mr. Love, we would be on the radio, we would be on live streaming, but we were also in a studio where people were standing outside the building looking in, and they could hear us. And he reminded me about how there are people, they're listening to you, they're watching you, and they're seeing you, so they see you, they're watching you, and they're hearing you. Again, they're seeing you and watching you. There's a difference in seeing and watching. Know that you're walking, living epistles of man. And let's know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost said, let us create them in our image and our likeness. And people are seeing you, they're watching you, and they're listening to you. Don't be afraid of what they may see because as they see you in your humanity, they also see what God is doing as he takes you from level to level, death to death, width to width. They get to see how great God is. Allow God to be God, even in your weakness that he turns to your strength because he has the annihilation remedy that we all need, and his name is Jesus. So until tomorrow night when Minister Sylvia will be our minister on Iron Sharpening Iron, see you at 8 p.m. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.